0: Welcome to Risen Fellowship and another podcast we've been working our way through the book of Genesis over a number of podcasts but just really hitting the high points and we've divided the book of Genesis into two divisions. The first division is centered upon four great events of course creation in chapters one through uh, two and then also the second event is the fall of mankind in Genesis chapter three through chapter five then we saw about Noah's flood which is six through nine and then we saw about the rebellion at Babel which is ten and eleven. The second division which goes from Genesis chapter 12 to chapter 50, is centered around four great people. Of course, those are the patriarch of our faith. That's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And Joseph is such an interesting character that we had three special podcasts about his life. We saw him first as No Ordinary Joe. And that's when he began to receive the divine dreams of what God was going to do in his life. And then secondly, we saw when things were going bad, how Joseph continued to do right. And then our last podcast, We looked at him and we saw when those dreams did come true, when his brothers did come down and bow down before him, and then brought the whole family to live in the land of egypt and potiphar gave uh jacob and his family some of the best land to live in and then in chapter 48 we see where jacob was blessing joseph's sons and then in chapter 49 jacob made prophecy over each one of his sons and so we come to the uh 50th chapter the final chapter of the book of genesis today and we're studying it in a uh, study called three coffins now woody allen not one of my favorite people but very funny man He has said this about dying. He said, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. Well, guess what? He will be there. And you and I will be there when it comes our appointed time to die. No one has ever been able to figure out how to go into God's appointment book and erase and to change the date that He has set for us. Because you see, death is not an accident in our lives. As we live in this world, it's an appointment. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says that it is appointed upon man to die once and then judgment. Now when we look at Genesis chapter 50, we're going to see that it really records for us three burials. Two of them are literal and one of them is figurative, but all are significant and important as we close out this book about beginnings. So first coffin that we see in Genesis chapter 50 is a coffin for a beloved father. Jacob had finished saying everything he needed to say to not only his sons, but also Joseph's sons. And the scripture records for us that he drew his feet up and he laid back in his bed and he went to sleep. Because you see, for a believer, death is not a final uh, experience in our life. Death is merely asleep, And once we fall asleep on this earth, We wake up in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as Jacob fell asleep, his sons were surrounding him, but God was waiting for him. And when he fell asleep, he exchanged that pilgrim's tent that he had lived in and sojourned on the face of this earth for so many years, and he traded that in for his heavenly home. And when uh, Jacob died, there was obviously grief. Chapter 50, verse 1 says this about Joseph, that he fell on his father's face and he wept over him and kissed him. And then in verse 10 it says, and they came to the threshing floor at Atad. And this is where they were taking him to be buried, which is beyond the Jordan. And there they mourned uh, there with a very great and solemn lamentation. And he observed seven days of mourning for his father. You know what? Grief is a very normal part of our life. But yet believers are not to grieve as those who grieve with no hope. God expects us to grieve when somebody close and dear to us passes away. The tears that we shed are part of the healing process that God has provided for us. Tears are the very best gift that God has given to us as suffering people. And then with grief there also comes preparation. And isn't it strange how many people today... Oh man, they insist on detailed planning on uh, vacations or business trips. And they ignore to make careful preparations for that last and most important journey of all. But Jacob had prepared for his last journey and he gave specific instructions to his sons to take his body back and to lay his body in the grave that he had himself dug in Canaan. Now Joseph, being the second in command at Egypt, he had to get permission from Pharaoh to be able to leave the country, and he also wanted to assure Pharaoh that he would return to Egypt. And when one of our loved ones pass away, we should always show respect, respect like Joseph did for his father and all of his sons. The trip was a long trip, and it was inconvenient for some, and it was very difficult for others, but it was still the right thing to do. In our modern society today, we're taking less and less time to express sympathy or pay respects to someone who has passed away. I've even heard of drive-through mortuaries where people don't even have to get out of their cars to be able to pay their last respects to the deceased person and even sign the guest book. But on the other hand, I'm encouraged because as a pastor and as a minister, I've done many funerals, and I've been a part of that processional from the church to the graveyard, and I've seen soldiers that would stop their car, and they would stand at attention and even salute until the whole parade of people had passed by that were headed to the seminary to lay their loved one to rest. Now, this was Joseph's first trip back to his homeland In 39 years. And think about what caused it. It was for his father's funeral. Now, Joseph didn't stay long because he had made a promise to Pharaoh, and he didn't stay long because God had given him a very important job to go and to do in Egypt. So, the first coffin we see in Genesis chapter 50 is a coffin for a beloved father. Now, the second one is the figurative coffin, it's the second coffin is the coffin for a painful past. You see, when the normal time of grieving is complete, there comes a time when we have to return to life with all of its duties. Now, it doesn't mean we forget about our deceased one, uh, but we put our grief into perspective and get back to the business of living. And the best way to honor the dead is to take care of the living. And prolonged mourning may get you a little more Sympathy, but it won't develop uh, spiritual maturity in your life and it won't help you be more useful to those who are still alive around you. And look at the alarm that happens here in verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and actually repay us for all the evil that we had done to him. And, and, you know, we're looking back on this after centuries of knowing this story. And it's real easy. And we, We see what the brothers are doing now that their father has passed away. And you've almost got to say, men, what in the world is wrong with you? What's the problem? Didn't Joseph forgive you? Didn't Joseph kiss you? Didn't Joseph cry over you? Hasn't he shown his love for providing for you in every way? Why are you alarmed now that your brother uh, Your father has passed away. The answer is very simple. They didn't believe their brother's word. His words were loving and caring, but they had made no impact on their lives. And after Joseph had shown them all kinds of goodness, it was cruel for them to say, Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil we did to him. And this is a truth that is so evident, not only in the scripture, but even today, We are often the kind of people who suspect in others the kind of things that we would do if we had that opportunity. And Joseph's brothers are no different than many professed Christians today who are constantly worrying about God's judgment and whether or not He has really forgiven them and made Him to be part of His family as sons of God and daughters of God. How do we know that God really loves us and has forgiven us? and has done that through Jesus Christ, you just open God's Word and let it speak to you. 1 John 5, verse 13 says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. You see, because as we live in this life, many times the way we feel and what God's Word says are two completely different things. And we must never judge God's eternal Word by our transient emotions. It was Paul who wrote in the uh, 8th chapter of Romans, Who and what can separate us from the love of God? And his conclusion is, Absolutely nothing. And he made a long list there at the end of chapter 8 about the things that we would often look up and say, God, where are you? And none of those can separate us from the love of God. And now let's look at the appeal after the alarm of Joseph's brothers. They sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died. I think it's interesting that they say your father and not our father. Before your father died, he commanded saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you. They're saying these are the words of Jacob, uh, Joseph's father. I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of, of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Now, did Jacob actually say these words? We don't know for sure, but knowing the brothers and the kind of character they have, probably not. This is still the fear and the anxiety in their heart, not realizing that Joseph had already forgiven them. But notice Joseph's response when this message was brought to him. He literally wept overhearing these kinds of words and he gave them assurance in verse 18 of chapter 50. It says, Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face and said, Behold, we are your servants. And this is the last time we're going to see Joseph's dreams being fulfilled where his brothers would come and bow before him. But unlike, just like the prodigal son, these brothers, they could not accept free forgiveness Well, they even offered to become his slaves and to work uh, to that place where Joseph could forgive them and accept them. And what they kept missing is that Joseph had already forgiven his brothers, not because of what they did, but because of who they were. And the only people God can forgive are those who know that they are sinners, who admit their sin, and confess their sin and know that they can't do anything to earn God's forgiveness and to turn from any of their efforts and to trust in Jesus Christ alone. New Testament examples of this, we see the woman of the well in John chapter 4. We see Zacchaeus and how he turned from all of his unrighteousness and followed Jesus and then also the thief on the cross. And Joseph answered his brothers in verse 19, he said, Do not be afraid, for am I In the place of God. But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. Now therefore, do not be afraid, for I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. Now notice that Joseph didn't minimize their sins, he literally said to them, What you did to me was evil. And you meant this for evil against me. But he also knew that God had overruled their evil deeds to accomplish His eternal purposes. And for 17 years, Joseph's brothers lived under a cloud of fear and apprehension all because they did not trust Joseph and His Word, if they had believed Joseph. They could have enjoyed those years with not only Joseph, but also with their father, And they would not have let that fear rob them of the joy of the family being reunited and saved from the great famine. And Joseph literally helped his brothers bury a painful past. And so as God's children, because of faith in Christ, who is God's Word, let's rejoice that our sins are forgiven and forgotten. It's many places throughout the Bible that tells us, but just three that I've chosen today is to realize that your sins have been buried into the depths of the sea. Micah, the minor prophet, said, you, God, will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. They're buried. You cannot go get them. And then our sins are cast behind God's back, as the prophet Isaiah said in chapter 38, verse 17, but you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption... For you have cast all my sins behind your back. And then we know that they've been blotted out and will be remembered no more. As Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12 says, for God speaking, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. And the writer of Hebrews was actually quoting the prophet Ezekiel. Believe God's word and live in the newness of a forgiven and a restored life to God through Jesus Christ. So the first coffin was for a beloved father. The second coffin was a figurative uh, coffin, and it was for a painful past. And then the third and final coffin we see in chapter 50 is a coffin for a special brother. Now whether you see Joseph as a son or a brother, or even as a leader of a great nation, Joseph is an exceptional man. And faith isn't some shallow emotion that we work up Uh, In and of ourselves. And it's not even an optimistic, hope so attitude kind of faith, hoping that it will come true. True faith is grounded in God's infallible word and always leads to repentance and obedient faith. Joseph knew what he believed and where he belonged, so he made future arrangements. In chapter 50, verse 24, it says, And Joseph said to his brothers, Brethren, I am dying, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land which he swore to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, Surely God will visit you, and you shall carry my bones from here. And Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and they put him in a coffin in Egypt. Those are the concluding words of this book of beginnings called Genesis a coffin a coffin in Egypt may even appear to be a very discouraging way to close a book about beginnings but from the viewpoint of faith it couldn't be more encouraging whenever things would begin to go bad and oh they started going bad real quickly for the nation of Israel the Jewish people in Egypt because after Joseph died, Exodus chapter 1 tells us about there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. And they began to uh, persecute the, the Jewish people. They began to uh, put them into forced labor and made them slaves and gave them hard labor to do for the rest of their life because they feared that the uh, Jewish nation would take over their whole nation. So things were going to begin to go bad real soon after Joseph began to die. And they would live literally hundreds of years under that kind of oppression. And Joseph's coffin in Egypt would be a constant reminder for the Jewish people to have faith in God. The same kind of faith that Joseph had. Joseph knew that this journey to Egypt by him and even his brothers was a temporary thing that God's promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would still come true that that land that was called Canaan would one day be theirs. And whenever things got bad and people would get discouraged, they would be able to look at that coffin where Joseph's bones were lying and they would be able to say, Joseph believed that God was going to deliver on his promise and we must continue on. We must have faith because we know, like Joseph did, that things are going to begin to change. And as Christians, we should be able to look to an empty cross and also an empty tomb and know that what we're experiencing in this world today is one day going to change because that's a promise from God. And God has never made a promise that He didn't keep. So for a coffin to be the last words of the book about beginnings is an anchor of faith for us to live our life. No matter how bad things get, Things are going to change under the mighty and the providential and the sovereign hand of God Almighty who loves you so much He allowed His Son to die for you. Now that brings us to the conclusion of the book of Genesis about the beginnings. The beginnings not only of this world but the beginnings of our relationship with God. I hope you've enjoyed it as we have kind of soared through the book of Genesis and just really hit the high points of the 50 chapters I pray you'll get so involved in this book, you may take it and open it and read it for a month, just seeing what all it has. Because it's not just about history, it's about what is going to happen in your life as you surrender and submit yourself to God. And in our future podcast, we're going to move to what I'm going to call the 12. And you might think that after we've gone through the book of Genesis, that that 12 might be the 12 tribes of Israel, or if you think we're moving to the New Testament, it might be about the 12 uh, disciples that followed Jesus who became the apostles, but it isn't. I'm very excited to enter into this new podcast series called The Twelve, and it's going to be uh, about a, a portion of Scripture that I believe to be a very neglected part of the Bible, and I feel that because I've neglected it for years in my life. And it's about the 12 minor prophets. After we read about the major prophets uh, of Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, we're going to see about the 12 minor prophets and not only see how they fit into the history of the nation of Israel, but also see how they were not only prophesying what would happen for that nation, but also what would take place in the great day of the Lord and what that means to us in our lives today. So I pray that God will bless you, that you will experience his peace and his joy and his comfort no matter what is happening in your life. God bless you and have a great day.